0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Seth Rudetsky's Back to School. Today, I have the hilarious Megan Mullally, yes, Karen Walker from Will & Grace, on the show. And um, I met Megan years ago. Uh, Her Broadway debut was in the show Grease, and I was in the orchestra for that. And, well, two things I want to say. First of all, she began as a dancer, and you'll hear in her interview, she talks about going to SAB over the summer. That stands for the School of American Ballet. It's like super hard to get into and like it's really really hardcore but anyway every time she says s-a-b just know it stands for school of american ballet p.s by the way i also fancy myself a dancer but i think we maybe had different levels of technique i remember once being in ballet class and after i did i guess some center combination or across the floor the teacher was like oh seth hilarious if i choreograph a solo for a for a clown or a harlequin i've got to give it to you <laughs> uh-huh. I wasn't going for a laugh <laughs> okay so that was devastating it's a completely true story also I just thought I would tell a Megan Mullally story just the, one of the many experiences we've had together now by the way Megan always goes Megan's always like oh I'm nothing like Karen in real life and it's like sort of but not really because okay so we're doing Greece, and at one point it was after a Wednesday show and the Wednesday you know we had a Wednesday matinee and the Wednesday night show began and everyone's like what smells? Like, what? Is there like a fish fry? And finally, one of the women in the ensemble was like, okay, fine. I admit it. Between shows, I went home and like, I made a fish dinner. Okay, it's me. All right? So, Megan being Megan, but also sounded like Karen. <laughs> my friend Paul Castro and I were obsessed with this line reading. Megan was like, who would go home between shows and cook a cod? We're obsessed with that. It's, first of all, she never said the word cod. Second of all, Why is it a instead of a? Who are go between shows and cook a cod? I don't know. A lot of people. It's not that weird. Any to the who. Get ready for Megan Mullally. Dreading morning classes. Stealing bathroom passes. Football. Drivers at SATs. SATs. Bullies that attack me. Why do I have acne? straps, Training frost. We remember back then it's like freshman year again. Ready, steady, now you're
1: <laughs> to Megan Mullally.
0: No! I'm very excited about today's guest. You know her from Partey Down, Children's Hospital, Parks and Rec, Karen Walker and Will and Grace, but most importantly, Marty in the 1994 Broadway revival of <laughs> Greece. Let's be honest. And by the way, Busker Alley workshop. With Tommy Toon. Nobody?
1: All right. Please welcome <laughs> Megan Mullally. Hi, Megs. Hi, Seth. Too so obscure. Seth was the um, second assistant to the plumber on the revival of Grease. Okay, you were close.
0: <laughs> I was actually the assistant music director pianist, but just, <laughs> just bring me down a level. Um, Megan was the belter of Greece. She was playing a high school student at the age of?
1: Oh, uh, 34. Yeah. I was playing 17. So When
0: you got it, you got it. Um Okay, so Meg, let's go back to your, where did you go to high school and when did you graduate?
1: I went to Cassidy School in Oklahoma City and I graduated in 1977 and it was an Episcopal private school and there were only 69 people in my graduating class.
0: Oh my God.
1: 69.
0: <laughs> Work. Okay, give me like a <laughs> typical high school day in terms of how did you wake up? Did you have a clock radio? Who made you breakfast? How did you get to school?
1: <laughs> um, I had a clock radio, I did but I think that it was probably a dual effort with my mom and the clock radio and then my mom or somebody else there was like a carpool situation but I mean in high school I had a car I had a Toyota Tercel well first I had a 68 Chevy Caprice that was used to be my uncle's that my parents bought for $500 and then I had a, a yellow Toyota Tercel pretty excited. But I was in this ballet company. So I was always like so tired in the morning because I was rehearsing all night.
0: Okay. So hold on. So you would go to school, you would do dance rehearsal at night. You would do your homework after dance class or just peace out?
1: Yeah, no, it was kind of effed up because they, it was a private school. And so they had sports from three to four 30. Ugh. And they made me do sports, even though I was then going from 530 until 10, I was literally dancing that entire time. And so finally, my senior year, they let me sit on the floor of the building where the seniors had their lockers and do homework.
0: Okay, let's go back. Brothers, sisters, I skipped that part.
1: No, I didn't have any.
0: Okay, so only child. So when you were in high school and you are in this ballet company, were you thinking all those four years, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to be a prima ballerina? Like, what was your adult life vision?
1: I wanted to move to New York and audition for Broadway shows just for, like, for the ensemble because, you know, I knew I could sing too, but I was, at that point, I was mostly dancing. And um, my mother was, she was on board with it, you know, ish. And then she made me a deal that if I I applied to one college of my choice, and if I got in, then I would go, and if I didn't, then I would move to, you know, she would help me move to New York. And so I applied to Northwestern, and I remember, like, laying on the floor of my bedroom at, like, 2.30 in the morning, just bullshitting my way through this essay. And I somehow, I don't know, I got in and... I got in. <laughs> and then, you know, at that point, I had decided I quit the ballet company like maybe two thirds of the way through senior year because I was like, okay, I can't really do this forever. It's too crazy. Wanted to branch out a little bit. But yeah, I got in. So I went to Northwestern.
0: But when you say you quit the ballet company, wasn't that like kind of a traumatic big change? Because you would obviously have been going every single day for so many years for so many hours.
1: Yeah, it was. But like, when you're faced with the option of doing 36 foot or not doing 30, 36 foot you're like, okay, I could probably live without that.
0: Even though what, but I mean, wasn't that so your goal to do 36 foot Like, you know, when you're sunny ballet, like you're obsessed.
1: Yeah, I was obsessed. I mean, I, I used to, that's all I thought about. You know, I read dance magazine from cover to cover and, and I read biographies of, famous ballet dancers. I mean, I was completely obsessed with it, but at a certain point, the ballets that I got the leads in were the ones that required some acting. You know, like there was some, like a story where like the girl would like go mad and then she would, you know, die at the end or something. I mean, I could do all the stuff, but I wasn't a horse, which is what they used to call the girls who could really do like the 36 fuetes. I wasn't a horse. I was more of like a lyrical dancer. And I just, I don't know. I just thought I wanted to branch out. I just, it's like, it's unrelenting. I mean, you have to dance pretty much every day. I mean, you could maybe take one day off a week, but you can't go on vacation. I mean, it's just, it was a lot.
0: So it doesn't sound like you were necessarily giving up ballet. It sounds like you were expanding your vision.
1: Yeah, that's how I thought of it. I thought, okay, I want to just open it up to some other disciplines.
0: Why was your mother saying you have to go to college? Wasn't she supporting your artistic dreams?
1: I think that because it was Northwestern, there was an understanding that I would kind of be on the same path-ish, and basically what happened was just that. Because I sang and everything, I I was lucky to get cast in, like, university theater productions that I wouldn't have, you know, that normally freshmen wouldn't get cast in, and then from that I got cast in a musical that was happening downtown, like a professional show, and You know, and then I just had a really lucky time booking theater jobs in Chicago for like six years, you know.
0: So your mom was actually right. It was good that you went to college.
1: It was good. I mean, I think maybe it could have worked the other way too, but it was probably a little easier path to go to college. And I'd never really been exposed even to theater kids, you know.
0: And were you funny? I mean, obviously you're known now as a comedian. Were you funny in high school?
1: No. I mean, I thought I was funny, probably, but or I think some people might have thought I was funny. I was one of those people that for many years, like boyfriends would be like, I would do a bit, you know, and some dumbass guy would go, you're so weird, you know, it's just a way of like subjugating you to their whims. And I thought, no, I'm not weird, I'm funny. But I don't think I had the confidence. There weren't any women who did comedy back then except for Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers, I mean, there's literally two people. I mean, there was, well, there were. I mean, there was Carol Burnett, who was my idol. But, you know, it was fewer and further between. It wasn't like now where, you know, there's so many great women in comedy. And also, I wasn't raised that way, and I wasn't, you know, the high school I went to was very, I was the only one in the arts. I mean, I was considered, like, the craziest, you know, I was, like, Timothy Leary compared to, you know, they were all wearing their little Madras shorts and their alligator shirts and their top siders and, and I wore vintage clothes and, you know. But I mean, I wasn't show-offy. I just was not conformist, I guess. I was quietly sort of doing my own thing.
0: Did you have a circle of friends that were all kind of the side outcasts?
1: Um. I was kind of, It was such a small school. I was kind of like in all of the groups, basically. But to this day, I still hate the really popular kids who are mean.
0: Were they actually mean to you, though?
1: Not so much to me, but I was a little bit of a Norma Ray for the kids that they really persecuted. Like, I stopped a class one time to, like, go off on these guys from the football team who were being really mean to one of the really nerdy guys.
0: What did you say?
1: I said, look, I mean, you're nothing to write home about, and you're going to fucking ruin this person's life forever. And for what? You know, you're not funny. It's not cool. You're not smart. You're not coming across in any way that's going to impress anybody, and this other person is still going to be decimated by you.
0: And what was the result of that?
1: They got really quiet and just looked down at their desks for the rest of the thing. And then I saw them like right afterward and they seemed relatively chastened.
0: Can you think of a memory that completely encapsulates who you were in high school? You're like, this is so classic me.
1: I don't know why this springs to mind, but it did. So I'm just going to go with it. There was one time where we went on some kind of field trip or something and we came back and the bus got in it was like 7 in the morning or maybe earlier and the sun had just come up barely and it was very foggy for some reason and i remember walking across the the little campus it was a pretty fancy school um by myself in the fog that that is so me like if you only knew
0: <laughs> just by yourself in the fog solitary yeah Hair flowing. (laughs) Yeah. mm -hmm. How long was your hair back then?
1: It was down past my butt.
0: Was that a ballet thing or a 70s thing?
1: It was both, yeah. Mm -hmm. Parted in the middle, really long, long straight hair. I remember getting on a bus once. This was like freshman year in college. And I remember I was sitting on the bus and the person next to me was, I had to say, excuse me, but you're sitting on my hair. (laughs) this person <laughs> <laughs> so gross <laughs> they were like oh ew!" <laughs> ew. <laughs> put it up <laughs> they were super grossed out
0: <laughs> okay let me ask you it sounds like you wanted to go into the arts but what did you fear your adult life would be like what was your like oh my god anything but that
1: I just came out of the womb in a top hat and tap shoes, and I just never even occurred to me that I would do something else. I mean, I, I thought, oh, I'll be a, you know a prosecutor or I'll be a, you know, I had all these weird, I had a couple of weird ideas, but not really. I mean, never even dawned on me. And I never actually had a job outside of the arts. I was a waitress for three weeks once in Chicago, but that was just for fun between shows. It was really sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate saying that because, but I just got really lucky.
0: And also in high school, you don't have an after-school job because you were just too busy doing ballet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And what about dating? Could you date within the school or it was so gossipy you couldn't?
1: It was small. I dated this gross guy when I was a freshman. He was then one of the guys that I, like, chewed a new one in that class for being a bully. And that was kind of about it. I kind of dated a guy outside of my high school who was involved in the arts. But I don't know. People didn't know what to do with me, really. I mean, I made out with guys, but... You know. Did
0: you have heartbreak? So what?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I did. I had big unrequited crushes and stuff.
0: How come they were unrequited though? What the hell were they doing, these boys?
1: Well, one guy was a sociopath, so that explains that. And the other guy, I had an inexplicable crush on this guy who was a year younger than me, and he was very short, and he was completely clueless and. One time, we finally went to a dance together. It was a Halloween dance, and I think this was when I must have been when I was a junior and he was a sophomore, or maybe maybe I was a sophomore and he was a freshman, and we were going to this dance with two other people, and they drank so much alcohol before we ever got to the dance that... We went to, like, a Sonic drive-in, and he opened the door. We were in a Volkswagen bug. We were in the back seat. He opened the door and, like, barfed out the door of the car. And then I had to sit out in the car with him for the entire— I could, apparently couldn't go in the dance without a date. I had to sit in the cold, freezing Volkswagen with this guy who was, like, passed out. And then he woke up at one point and wanted to make out, and I was like— ah. I think so. After he threw up, then he wanted to make out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After he
0: woke up from passing out. And did you? And was there any gum at least involved?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do it. It was, I was over it suddenly.
0: <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. <laughs> you seem like a very diligent student. Did you ever get in trouble for anything in school?
1: I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I mean, we used to sneak over to this one part of the, because it was on a campus, because it was, kindergarten through 12th grade, the school. And like, I still really good friends with a couple people that I've known since first grade. But like, we used to sneak over to what we called the bushes and smoke cigarettes. And I think there was some pot involved like way later, like senior year, but I never got busted for anything, really, no. The main thing I got in trouble for was that junior year, I missed, like, 14 days of school because of the ballet company. There were some days where I was just too wasted. I mean, it was just, like, so exhausted. And then I'd have to go and, like, play field hockey for an hour and a half before I went. (laughs) And did people
0: know you had a great voice? Did you sing for anybody in high school ever?
1: Yeah, that—so we had these people who— The Flemings. So, Mr. Fleming played the organ at chapel every morning and, you know, Episcopal. It wasn't religious. It was just like, you know, they would just like brief you on what was going on at school. It wasn't even religious. It was weird. Anyway, he was married to this woman. And between the two of them, they somehow like, oh, I know what it was. Before my senior year in high school, I did this little summer thing where we performed at the end of it and they came to that and they heard me sing and it was more like Broadway stuff. And so then they got all excited and they started grooming me, not in the bad, horrible sense, but, um, to, they said, well, you have to sing in chapel. And I was like, what? Because it wasn't, nobody had ever gone in there and performed. So (laughs) they got me on board to do it. And we set a date. It was in February and i didn't sleep for two nights before and it was this whole thing where i sang three broadway songs and i choreographed it myself and i had a little outfit that consisted of a white turtleneck with a black vest and black pants and i did choreography where at one point like went over and sat on the principal's lap i kind of lap danced the principal i guess (laughs) early days of lap dancing. So anyway, the songs were, you know this, right? No, I don't know the three songs. So this is the song I chose to sing in public, my very first time singing in public. This was the first song I chose to sing. Don't Ran on My Parade. (laughs) Literally one of the hardest songs to sing in the history of.
0: It's pretty risky. Although when you're young, you can belt (laughs) high. So it's not that risky. But it is a Barbra Streisand song. It's pretty rude.
1: But it's got a lot of chapters, you know? It's <laughs> <That is> true. <laughs> it's like got a conversation going back and forth. It's like characters. <laughs> that is true. Okay, that was the first like easy little throwaway I chose just <laughs> to put myself at ease. But it didn't occur to me that it was hard. It never, ever dawned on me that it was hard. The second song was People.
0: Oh, that is really hard. That is much harder than joining no okay. My Parade because do you belt it? Do you mix it? I don't know where you place it.
1: And the third was Razzle Dazzle from Chicago.
0: Which was so au courant because it was around 1976 when the first Chicago was on Broadway.
1: Totes. That's when I went over and lap danced the principal. And I had like high kicks and the whole. So less than a year ago, I found, this is crazy, but I found the cassette tape that my parents made standing at the back of the chapel with, like, a tape recorder, you know, the old-fashioned, I found the cassette tape of me singing those songs. And I'm telling you, it's pretty fucking crazy.
0: Better adjective than crazy, meaning what? Amazing?
1: It sounds good. I mean, it sounds really, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of nuts. I didn't really know that I just thought, well, I guess I can kind of sing and I'll just do my best. But it's pretty nutty.
0: Looking back, you're saying you're actually better than you even thought you were.
1: Yeah, I think it was pretty good. So so this is a school that's very, you know, everybody's very like clammed up and inhibited. They're all just these sons and daughters of a bunch of like fucking, you know, alcoholic Republicans. And um, so I sing Don't run on My Parade. You know, I was terrified. And they're all sitting there, and it's February, right? And I sing Don't Run My Parade. It ends, and there's a split second, and everybody starts screaming and cheering and, like, pounding their feet on the floor, and they throw their hat, their winter hats and shit up in the air. No, it was insane because it was going to go one of two ways. And nobody ever reacted like that to anything in that school because these people didn't really have, like, verifiable emotions, you know? They just weren't expressive people. It wasn't allowed. Like, you weren't supposed to go overboard. It was the South. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, you know, it was everybody's trying to be cool, basically, I think.
0: You know, I was going to ask you there was a moment that had a before and after, but it sounds like this. I mean, like, what was the aftermath of literally Liza with a Z performing your own version of Liza with a Z?
1: Well, it gave me a lot of confidence. And then people in the school literally like kind of treated me differently all of a sudden. was weird. I mean, not that that persisted particularly, like maybe for a couple of weeks until Mm -hmm. they kind of forgot. But I guess it gave me some confidence and made me think, well, maybe I can actually sing or Whatever. But when I listen to that tape, it's just because I think it's the original keys, you know? Mm. And, you know, the people, like, <laughs> it goes pretty high.
0: E flat. flat.
1: Those are the notes that sound the best are actually the high notes, you know?
0: Were you exposed to theater? Had you ever seen a Broadway show as a kid?
1: Yeah, because I studied at SAB for two summers. So the summer after my sophomore and junior years in high school, I studied at SAB. And... I was only 16 and 17, so my mom went with me. And my mom was so great because she took me to every show, and she took me to all the ballets, and she took me to all the Broadway shows. And as a matter of fact, when we were there one summer, a chorus line opened. And we didn't know anything about it, but my mom got the paper that morning, and she saw this big headline, a chorus line, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the best show ever in the history. of, And she was like, okay, well, we're going. And I was like, when? And she was like, tonight. It <laughs> just opened the night before. And I'm like, okay. And, and I didn't, you know, I thought, okay. And we got in a cab and went down to Schubert Alley. And my mom said, I need two tickets for a chorus line. And they were like, okay, we have tickets for next February. And she was like, no, for tonight. <laughs> and they're like, well, you can't, we don't have tickets. And she said, listen to me. My daughter, we came all this way from Oklahoma. My daughter is dying. And she wanted to be in a Broadway show, and she never will be, and we need tickets. And we got two tickets in the front row center of the balcony. We got the the house seats. She did a whole—she cried.
0: Okay, what are those box office people saw Will and Grace? You don't think they were like, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She's still alive. (laughs) But by the way, bravo your mother Emmy nomination for The Crying. I
1: know. I know. I don't know. It was (laughs) weird. It was the only time I ever saw her do anything like that. But she was like, I'm sorry, but we're seeing it tonight. (laughs) She's committed. And what about being in ballet eating-wise? Were you like
0: obsessed with what you ate because of ballet? Or were you like, I don't care because I'm young and I'm just skinny?
1: Yeah. I didn't really think about it that much. I don't think it was until I moved to Los Angeles 1985 that it occurred to me that like everybody was so skinny and I was skinny too but I think I I've seen it happen to pretty much every woman I've ever known who moved out here it's just this weird pressure I mean it was so different back then like everything was so regimented and being an actor at the level I was at was like you might as well have been you know the janitor like they just didn't treat actors very nicely and Everybody wants you to improvise now. And back then, if you changed, like, A to and, they would lose their minds and you'd be fired. I mean, it was so strict. Oh,
0: wow. But it's interesting. So your teachers didn't harass you about your body, your ballet teachers?
1: No. I mean, when I was at SAB, you like, the Russian ladies would come in, like, Madame Danilova would come in wearing sunglasses with a stick, like a cane. And she and another Russian lady would stand there and, like, talk and point at you, and sometimes they'd come and poke you with the cane. And <laughs> I got kicked out of class once for wearing a spaghetti strap leotard with no bra. <laughs> she said I was like a prostitute off the street, in a Russian accent, though. <laughs> it was really humiliating. I, like, sobbed. Oh, Gelsie Kirkland would come in. Gelsey wow. Kirkland would come in and take our class sometimes. Oh once we saw her in the... She came into the Locker room, like hysterically crying because she was in love with Brishnikov, you Uh. know, and like mascara running down her face. It was really fun. So,
0: 70s. Oh my God. I know. What about family vacations? Did you have like a yearly we go to Disneyland type of thing?
1: Sometimes I remember we went to Santa Fe once or twice, but we didn't do the family vacations as much because my father was sort of AWOL for a lot of the time.
0: Working or just peace out on the family?
1: Peace out.
0: So what was that like for you as a teenager?
1: Well, I didn't really want to be around him. I was scared of him, so it was kind of good. But then, you know, he was in and out.
0: And were you, obviously, it sounds like you were very close to your mom. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my mom was so supportive. it It was, she was very unconditional. Like, I never remember my mom turning on me. Like, I never remember, like, a really bad fight or anything like that, where she was just like, you know what, I'm done. She never did that.
0: Did you have a teacher ever be mean to you? Like, Miss Mullally, you may think you're funny.
1: No. No. I had this English teacher who I really liked, Mr. Serbeck. I remember we read, um, which Shakespeare play is, I think it's Merchant of Venice, The Quality of Mercy is Not Strained. That Portia, that character, does that ring a bell?
0: Girl, I know musicals.
1: I know. I've never gotten on the Shakespeare bandwagon the way you're supposed to. I'm like, eh, mm.
0: it's
1: kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's a really great production, I guess it's great. With but footnotes.
0: But the point is, you teach your what?
1: We read it out loud, and he gave me the lead. And that was one of the first times I ever read anything out loud as a you know acting. Because I, I didn't know anything about acting. I could sing and I could dance, but I didn't know what acting was.
0: Oh, wow. So that's what really gave you the bug?
1: Yeah. And then when I got to Northwestern and I got cast in a little night music as um what's her Petra. face? The Miller Son Petra. Petra. And you know, I had dialogue and I was like, what gives, guys? <laughs> like what, <laughs> what's this? What's this part? <laughs> you were that miffed? <laughs>
0: because dance is so silent, you were used to just communicating like Norma Desmond silently.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) yes. It's time for This or That. In this segment, I make my guests choose between two pop culture sensations from their high school years. Grease or Saturday Night Fever?
1: Saturday Night Fever. Although I saw the original Grease when I was at SAB. The
0: Broadway show? Oh. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. You weren't obsessed when the movie came out?
1: No. I thought the stage version was a lot better.
0: And when you got cast in the Broadway revival, you were just like
1: I was like mm. <laughs> shrug. Okay. <laughs> well, it was so fun cuz it was like basically all of our first Broadway show. I mean, yeah. Billy Porter and Oh my god. Sam Sam and-
0: Harris, yeah, and Jessica Stone. Yeah, okay, that part was fun, but you weren't looking forward to it because you've been obsessed with the movie. You rather would have been cast in Saturday Night Fever the musical. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Saturday Night Fever? Because I don't think you would have been. That musical was
1: no, devastating. I, no, I didn't see that yet.
0: Moving on. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> um, Outfit-wise, were you denim boots or fry boots?
1: Fry boots. Yeah. I loved yeah. fry
0: boots. Did you actually have a pair? Mm-hmm.
1: Totally, yeah. I had like a medium brown. Yeah, were the pants tucked into the fry boots
0: or over the fry boots?
1: That was more 80s. Mm, okay. That was more 80s, the tucked in. just want to yeah.
0: clarify. Blondie <laughs> or Donna Summer? Blondie. Heart of Glass?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, Call Me. That was the thing that started it. The biggest record, like, toward the end of, was that Fleetwood Mac, was it Rumors?
0: Now here you go again.
1: Yeah, that was huge. And I think that was either, I think that was my senior year, maybe.
0: Was that your song?
1: Well, that whole, so there's a whole story attached to when I was a senior in high school, toward the end of the year, like, I got a call from this dude who went to a, who, he had gone to a different high school, he was a, a few years older, and he, he was represent he was like managing this guy who was a guitar player, I don't even know how they ever met, this guy was from like Montana or something, and he wanted me to sing with, record something with this guy and they got together with me and they were like whoa, whoa, you can really sing and then it turned into this whole weird thing where I went I can't believe my parents let me do this they let me go with these two guys to Los Angeles the summer after I graduated from high school, I lived in an apartment with these two guys and another guy and we played at this club called Yesterdays, which was on Westwood Boulevard, upstairs above the restaurant. There was like a bar with like music. And we, one of our main stocks in trade was all the Fleetwood Mac songs. And I also sang like Barbara Streisand Evergreen, I remember vividly. 77. Like belting out Evergreen in this little piano bar thing it was so bad.
0: <laughs> so speaking of Barbara, were you Barbara pre perm or post perm?
1: I was Barbara Pre Perm yeah for sure I to be honest yeah.
0: okay in terms of families we want to be a part of were you Brady Bunch or Partridge family
1: I'm gonna go Partridge
0: because of the singing
1: I had their some of their records
0: did you have a poster of David Cassidy you made out with
1: I did have a big crush on him yeah
0: me too yeah let's be
1: honest mm-hmm.
0: were you uh, <laughs> all in the family Jefferson's Maud or good times
1: all in the family was yeah
0: was Archie Bunker like your dad
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) Okay, but without the laugh track. Right. Okay, I get it. Um, In terms of peeing in your pants during a film, were you Jaws or The Exorcist?
1: I never saw either (gasps) to this day. Oh, my God. To this day. Yeah, I don't like scary. I mean, isn't it scary enough just, like, getting through the day? Like, do you really want to, (laughs) like... Seek it out. Uh,
0: okay. Well, I guess, but you're getting a release in a safe way because it's not real. What about in terms of making out? Will you spin the bottle or seven minutes in heaven?
1: Spin the bottle. What's seven minutes in heaven? Where you go into a closet for seven yeah. minutes? That seems very dangerous. And like that seems a little.
0: Did you ever get to kiss somebody cute with spin the bottle?
1: I think I did the other one once. The seven minute, but it wasn't seven minutes. It was like thirty frantic seconds and I don't even remember I don't think anything even happened we just both went in there and like freaked out okay so forget that
0: in terms of of Barry Manilow, Weekend in New England or Mandy?
1: (gasps) Mandy! How come? Well because it was so pretty and I think actually that record with Mandy on it was one of the first albums that I ever bought
0: Did you have a record player in your room?
1: Yes I did and I had one of those ones with like the drop down you, know, you could put like six records on at a time. And I just ordered one. I got a vintage one from the 70s because those are cool. They don't really make them anymore. No,
0: I love those. You put like a stack of singles on them.
1: Mm-hmm. You can put albums on too, but maybe like two or three.
0: Oh my God. Now I want to get one. Um, in terms of shows we thought were so funny, maybe not so much in retrospect, were you Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley? Happy Days. How come? Fonz? Fonz?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I had—I think I traditionally had a little bit of a crush on Ron Howard.
0: Really, more than yeah. the more than the Fonz.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And I used to tell people that because I guess later, like, like when he got a little bit older, like he got married and had a family, and he's been married to the same person the whole time. And I remember telling people like, "I want to marry a guy like Ron Howard," and then I kind of did.
0: How is Nick like Ron Howard?
1: Well, he's nice and he's loyal and he's not, you know, he's not a bad boy or uh-uh. he's a good guy. Oh,
0: I love that. That's nice. You. Oh, I love yeah. that. Nick. Well, I just don't know if Ron is as funny as Nick, but maybe I maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this. But were you Carol Burnett's Show or Saturday Night Live?
1: Colbert I didn't really get on the Saturday Night Live tip that early, which is weird because I used to watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, you know, which was very like avant-garde. I can't believe they even aired it in Oklahoma, you know.
0: It was so confusing to me. I was like, what is happening?
1: I loved it.
0: Oh, I thought it was so weird.
1: Mary Kay Place. Oh my God.
0: I know, but I was like, is it funny? I didn't know what was happening.
1: Yeah. It's kind of dark.
0: It's dark and just weird. Um, In terms of amazing comedians, were you Mary Tyler Moore or Lucille Ball?
1: Oh, Mary Tyler Moore. You know, I'm not, a Lucille Ball fan.
0: Oh God! I love both. Can't you just say you love both?
1: I. How can you <gasps> I. She's okay. No, I just, she's not okay. Like the level of like screwing up was too much for me. Like that's a sitcom. Like you know somebody's gonna screw up eventually, and that's why it's you know why you have a story. But no, she. I. When I watched it after school, but then when Mary Tyler Moore came around, like that was definitely my jam.
0: Yeah, okay. I may have to don't I may be have mad. to edit this out because 'cause I'm devastated. Um I'm I'm okay.
1: mad. i just I love her so much. No, I
0: don't. I mean, I love Lucy, not the other ones, but um all right. I'll just edit this so I love Lucy. I'll literally make it sound like you love her. I'll just take <laughs> <laughs> Lucy <laughs> off with amazing. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> This is High School Versus Now, where we find out how much my guest has changed since high school. So let's say you're in high school and you show up for a field trip, but you realize you never got your mom's signature on the permission slip, even though you were reminded like 10 times. What would you have done in high school?
1: Never would have occurred to me to forge it. Uh Uh-uh. No. Honest as the day is long.
0: Okay. So what about now? You get on Grey's Anatomy to show up your drama chops. And you like memorize your death scene and you show up and they're like, we're actually shooting all the scenes before your death scene and you totally haven't memorized anything. What would you do?
1: I would say I haven't learned it.
0: I know. Just the most honest. It's weird.
1: I'm not good at being a
0: criminal. Yeah. Didn't you learn anything from your mother in a chorus line? I know. God, she taught you nothing. I
1: know. (laughs) Okay. So you've stayed exactly the same.
0: How about this? You're putting on your point shoes at ballet class. Let's say it's at SAB. And you hear Gilsey Kirkland say, I saw Megan, she's constantly falling out of her double Pirouettes, and she has a lot of style, but she has actually no technique. You overhear this. What would your reaction be?
1: Oh, burst into tears and like run away, burst into tears, call my mom.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't confront her?
1: No. Oh, no, no. Uh uh-uh.
0: uh, no. Okay, so now it's nowadays you're peeing. And you hear Alison Janney washing her hands, and Alison Janney says to Marsha Cross, "Megan Mullally, more like Megan Malousy." Okay. <laughs> what would you say to that
1: one? Burst into tears. <laughs> Pray that they didn't know I was there. Try to call my mom, even though she's she died. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so
0: there's literally
1: no, so 1977,
0: 2021, literally the exact same. No.
1: <laughs> Okay.
0: Sad. That's, that's good to know. You're you're a consistent lady. Okay, so before we go, I like to ask people uh, two things. So first of all, if someone is listening right now from your high school, is there anything you would like to say to them? You could pick out a specific person or a specific teacher, or maybe to the high school in general. What would you like to say to them?
1: I would like to say that I'm glad that we all got to go to such a great school because it was a really good education, really good, and. um, even though I may not have had, like, a ton in common with most of the people there, that's okay because we all, you know, were there for a reason to teach each other something and, you know, see you at the high school reunion. Okay.
0: It started sincere and then it just really faded out. Okay.
1: I, know. I couldn't really think of anything. I'm like, oh, bye bye. Okay, so there's not much you <laughs> need to say
0: to them. But how about if maybe a 15 year old Megan Mullally is listening through a break in the time space continuum in her bedroom? What would you like to say to little Megan?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I would like to say that it's going to be crazy how most of the stuff that you dreamed of will come true all the things that i dreamed up and wanted and saw myself doing when i was a little only child like shut in my bedroom like making up dances and showing them to my mom like almost all that stuff has happened it's kind of weird Aw,
0: thank you for doing my podcast megan i'm applauding you from new york
1: yay thanks seth it was so fun
0: Seth Rudetsky's Back to School is produced by Sarah Esikoff. Our theme music was written by me, Seth Rudetsky, and sung by me and Maggie McDowell. Our band was me on piano, Mark Schmied on bass, Carrie Meads on drums, and Jim Hirschman on guitar. This episode was mixed by Sarah Esikoff.